going through verse 14. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible this morning. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. May God bless this word. You may be seated at this time. I would like to welcome you to White Oak this morning. I would like to welcome you into Advent, which is the most absolute best time of the year for, for more reasons than I could even cover this morning. And if you have something to write with this morning, or if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this definition that I'm about to give you. Because the definition that I'm about to give you is really what Advent is all about. A lot of people have asked, what is Advent? This is only our second year to ever officially go through this historic church practice. But this is a wonderful definition of Advent, which I think will help you understand exactly what we're doing during the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. The season of Advent, a season of waiting exists to cultivate an anticipation of Christmas and an awareness of its true and transformational meaning. I'm going to say that again. The season of Advent, or a season of waiting, exists to cultivate an anticipation of Christmas and an awareness of its true and transformational meaning. Church, Advent exists because busyness usually doesn't lead to joy. Amen? So during this time, we, we slow the season down. We want to taste the wonder. You know, it's interesting. We eat three meals a day, roughly 21 meals a week. And le- yet, when was the last time that you savored a meal? Did you know that when you eat, just by slowing down and thinking on the wonder of the food that you're tasting, 
that the same meal that you would have eaten anyway all of a sudden becomes so much more joyous because you're, you're leaning into the beauty and the wonder of what is truly happening in that moment as you eat a food that you enjoy. Christmas can be the exact same way for you, and yet in the same way, we blow by this season. We, we run ahead of the meaning, and we start going, trying to buy presents and gifts, and we're doing parties, and we're finishing up deadlines at work or at school, and all the time we could have been savoring this season in our souls. Advent exists to help you do that. Advent exists because we desire God's presence during this season, not just material possessions. Advent exists because we desire peace, not anxiety. Advent exists because we desire holiness, not sin. Advent, or a season of waiting during Christmas, exists because we desire fulfillment during the season and not emptiness. Advent exists because Christ has come because joy is here, because sin has been defeated, and because we want to feel the power and the wonder of all of this. Advent, or a season of waiting, exists to cultivate an an anticipation of Christmas in your heart and an awareness of its true and its transformational meaning in your heart. I think another good way to, to kind of image Advent is by like the nativity scene. And this is usually the time of year where a bunch of pastors and Christian truthers begin to come up and tell you how the, the, the nativity scene isn't really accurate, the wise men didn't get there till later, and it's like, we know we get it, you know, okay, yeah, it's not perfect, right? Like, we understand that. But the thing about a nativity scene is you've probably seen it a million different times, and yet it's a beautiful image of Advent because it's this image that is frozen in time. It's an image that is frozen in time that we can gaze upon it and live in wonder of the reality that God was born as a baby. Jesus Christ was his name, and he came to love and to save you and me. And in this moment, in the nativity scene, forever frozen in time, all we can do is marvel at what is happening in that moment. This Christmas season, I want to challenge you at one of the many nativity scenes that I'm sure you're going to see along the way. I want to challenge you to not just look at it and say, oh, that's nice and walk on it, but walk beyond it. But, but maybe gaze at it for three minutes and think about what's really happening in that moment and how whatever the baby looks like, that is representing Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, come to love and save the world. It is truly marvelous. During this season of Advent, we reflect on the Christmas story. For the next four Sundays, we will provide you with services that incline your heart with music and with teaching, with special elements. We will provide those for you. Today, we're also releasing our Advent readings, which will be available on the collective's table for you and for your family after the service, which gives you a devotional for every day in December leading up to Christmas Day. We do this so you can slow down in the morning or midday or maybe at the end of your day to read a devotional that will teach you about Christmas, teach you about what is going on, but not just teach you information, but begin to warm your heart for what is truly going on. Today is November 29th. 
We have so many days before Christmas gets here. If we commit together to the season of Advent and reflection and repentance of sin leading up to Christmas, I truly believe that Christmas will be the best Christmas you've ever had. Will you join me in this? Thank you. For our theme this year for Advent, we have chosen um, the title, Unto Us. And what we're going to do for the next four weeks is we're going to take a journey looking at the four things that the birth of Jesus brought to the world as per Luke chapter 2, which we just read. And we're going to look at four wonderful things, how the birth of Jesus brought joy to the world, brought peace to the world, brought the kingdom of God to the world, and ultimately brought salvation to the world. And today I have the honor and the excitement of leading you in a talk about joy, which is what everybody wants. We all want to be happy. We all want to have joy. And the idea that I want you to wrap your mind around today is that with the birth of Christ came a resurgence of joy. With the birth of Christ came a resurgence of joy. And and I base this out of uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. It says, And the angel said to them, just talking to normal shepherds in the field, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We talked a lot about good news last week, and and we're going to talk about good news this week, but we're not just talking about generic good news that has little to no effect on your life once you pass that moment. I bring you today good news of great and unsurpassing joy. And I think it's quick to to note here really quick, because I know a lot of people, they hear that word joy, and they wonder how that equates to happiness. And one of the fascinating things that I learned this week is that when the Bible was written about, you know, 2,000 years ago and and, and a little bit beyond that as well, uh, when the Bible was written, there wasn't really much of a distinction between joy and happiness. And so as I'm, as I'm talking to you today, realize that joy and happiness were uh, two words that kind of diverged from each other in our English language. And we have often taken those two words where joy is often considered like this transcendent kind of full happiness. And happiness is just kind of considered like the kind of lower stuff. It's just kind of a generic happiness. And we have taken those two ideas and we have read them both back into Scripture when in reality the biblical authors, every time they use the word joy, you could easily use the word happiness. They the same thing. And so if you want happiness today, if you're living your life and like, I just want to be happy, I just want to enjoy my life, I want to enjoy my existence like I feel like I ought to be, know that when I use the word joy, I am talking to you as well. And so with the birth of Christ, which is what we celebrate during Christmas, came a resurgence of joy. Yet I think we wonder how. How does that bring me joy? I hear you say that it should bring me joy. I understand that I should be happy. But can you dig a little bit deeper and explain to me why exactly this baby born in a manger 2,000 years ago, why this brings me happiness and joy? Uh, this, uh, uh, this weekend was an amazing weekend for me and my family. We, uh, we had the moment to experience, I think, a little bit of this joy uh, we went out and bought our Christmas tree that we buy every year from Home Depot. Um, I highly recommend it. And uh, we, we got it, and I was really proud of myself because for the first time, I actually tied it on the top of our car by myself. And uh, 
We drove all the way home 10 minutes and it didn't fall off. And so I feel like my manhandiness points like went up a lot during that moment. And we went home and we, we, we put up the tree and we got out our decorations. We're still kind of, haven't been married all that long, so we don't have a bunch of decorations yet. We're getting there, right? Began to put up our decorations and we had the Christmas music blaring in the background. And my wife wanted to take it to the whole next level, so we started making hot chocolate. And that's when things got real, and it was just like the music and the hot chocolate. We, got, we even had like the whipped cream, like the, you know, the whipped cream you put on top of the hot chocolate, which is like the best part. And uh, it, I remember we were doing this, and I was kind of thinking through the sermon, and I was thinking to myself, man, I am so happy. And yet I began diving in why I feel happy during this season, because happiness can be a, a general emotion. And yet the case that I want to make this morning is the reason why this baby brings so much joy into your life is because it confirms two things from God to you. It confirms, number one, that you are loved by God, and that, number two, you are healed by God. That we are loved and that we are healed. In John three sixteen, it says that for God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, this baby, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The first reason why the birth of Christ brings a resurgence of joy in your life is because you were loved. We have joy because we are loved. The basis for Christ's birth was God's love for the people that he created. The problem is, is, is all can't be well if there's evil and there is sin in the world. We have rebelled against God in many ways. We have gone against a lot of the things that we know he doesn't want us to do. We have tried to be our own God or created different gods other than the one true God. And when God could have just said, you know what, I'm going to wipe away humanity. I'm going to start all over. I'm going to do something else. And a broken people like you and me, God chose in the midst of our brokenness to send his son, which reveals primarily that he he loves us. Church, ground zero of Christmas is God loves you and me. And I think this brings us great joy because our deepest need deep down, I believe, is we want the love of God, our Father. Our body's main desires are food, water, and shelter. And yet the main desire of the human soul, and I don't think I even have to make an argument for this, is love. The reason why we pursue relationships is we go out and we find somebody who we deem to be valuable and then we want them to love us in return. Maybe you're married and there was a moment when you met your spouse and you said, that person seems really amazing. There's something I like about them. They're, they're beautiful and they're wonderful. They, they, they love Jesus. Whatever it was that attracted you to them, you, you went out and you found them valuable, but then you wanted them to love you in return. Every kid wants their parents and their friends to love them. And if we desire a human because we deem them as being valuable, we don't just love them as a charity case. Usually when you love somebody, you, you deem them as valuable and you want them to love you back. If we do that for a human, how much more would we naturally and logically value the love of God because we deem him of the utmost value? We look at God and say, you are all powerful, you are loving, you, you created me, you created this world, and yet he has an opinion of you and me, and what we want deep down is for him to love us more than anything. 
My favorite Christmas movie is Jingle All the Way. What could be better than Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sinbad, and Christian, uh, Christmas all mixed together, right? It's just the best thing ever, right? I like it even more than Christmas Vacation, which I know is a lot of y'all's favorite movie, but mine is Jingle All the Way. I watch it every single year. And it's a beautiful image of what we're talking about because the story plot is that Arnold Schwarzenegger is your typical standard workaholic dad. And he misses everything. He never shows up. He, he kind of values his career over his family and... Uh, and everything comes to a head when his son has this really important karate thing going on, and his dad promises that he's going to come and be a part of it, and yet he de- by the time he shows up, he, he's already missed everything. And so he goes home, and his son is furious at him, and his wife is so disappointed in him, and he just feels like the whole world has been lost. And he goes up to his son's room feeling horrible for, for you know, not being involved and for not showing his love, and his son is not in a good mood. And he's trying to make it up to his son. He goes, just name one thing you want. I'll give you anything you want to make it up to you. And his son kind of sulks for a minute. He's like, okay, I want the Turbo Man doll. And he's like, kind of gets really happy. And he says, you know, if you get me this Turbo Man doll, Dad, that'd be the greatest thing in the world. Except the problem is, is that the Turbo Man doll that his son wants and how he's going to make it up to his son is like the most popular action figure in the history of the world. And you can't get it anywhere. And it's your typical like Black Friday stuff where everyone's like knocking each other over for it. And then uh, Sinbad is another character who's another, you know, bad dad trying to make it up to his son. And they're kind of going for the same doll and fighting each other. And they're running around the city and they, they can't find it. And it kind of begins this whole chase of trying to find this doll. And it's like super hilarious. And yet at the end, what you find is that the whole time, under this pursuit of this, this doll, the, the real plot of the entire movie is that this boy, what he really wants underneath that deep down, is he wants the love of his father. The little boy doesn't really want this doll. He only wants the doll in so much as it would prove that his dad cares for him and will provide for him the things that he needs. And I think for every single human, at our deepest core, what we really want is to be loved by God. We want the most powerful being, the the creator being, the transcendent God of the universe. We want him to love us because we know he is of infinite value. And what this baby during Christmas time signifies is that for God so loves the world. Can you fathom that? That God loves us so much that he sent his son, born of a virgin, ultimately to die on a cross for the sins of the world. The birth of Jesus brings you joy because it confirms that the God who controls everything loves you and wants good for your life. He doesn't want you to be cast away from him forever. He wants you to come near to him. Why do your father loves you? I don't know what your experience with your earthly father has been like. Maybe it's been good. Maybe it's been bad. But your heavenly father loves you supremely. The culture often gives us such a, such a distorted view of who God is. He's not an angry, abusive man, but he's a loving father. And the birth of Jesus confirms this. And it's amazing because not only does God love us, but he comes to be among us. You know, Christmas, maybe you've realized, can be a season of extreme loneliness. You hear about this a lot. Suicides go up during Christmas, every single year, because people feel so lonely. 
And yet how comforting in the midst of a lonely season oftentimes for many people that in, in Matthew one twenty three it says, Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. How amazing that in a season that is notorious for loneliness, one of the names that was given to baby Jesus was a name that said, God is with us. You're not alone because the name of Jesus is God with us, God with you. We can have joy this season because we are loved, because we are not alone. Christ literally came to us in the flesh. The word incarnation literally means that the spirit and the wholeness of God dwelled inside of a human named Jesus Christ who lived 2,000 years ago, fully God, fully man, living amongst us in a body like we have to be close to us because he loves us. And so joy is resurging through the world as we speak because people are awakening to the reality that they are loved by the God of the universe, that life is not a meaningless or aimless or purposeless existence, which we know that idea could never lead to joy. But joy is flooding into the world because you and I are awakening to the reality that we are loved because it says that unto you this day is born a Savior, unto you and unto me, because for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that we may not perish but have eternal life. You are loved this Christmas, so you should have joy. But we're not only loved, we are also healed. And this is my favorite part. This is the part that just continually blows my mind. We have joy during Christmas because we are healed. And I really want to drive this point home because I, I know where we go with all this Christmas stuff. Because I'm getting up here and I'm talking about joy. And yet every time Christmas comes around for you, it's usually maybe not a very good experience. And let me explain why I think that happens. Because this is why Christmas is often a really tough time for people. Because um, what Christmas does is it elevates all the expectations of how you should be feeling this year. Right? Everywhere you go, there's happy music and people are happy. It's a nostalgic time. The expectations have shot through the roof as to how you should feel. And yet you're still the same person you've always been with the same issues you've always had. Do you see how that can lead to, to depression and sadness? Do you, do you see how that can kind of tip the scales? How being the same person you've always been, but now the expectations are so much higher of how we should be feeling. Do you see how that can lead people to despair? Just in a moment of a lot of transparency, for me, I, I had never understood what depression was until I, I personally dealt with it about a year ago. And I, I, I've never struggled with it before or, or after, but there was like this three-month span last year from October to, uh, to last December where I felt depressed. And, and many of you, I struggle, struggle with that. I think probably more people in our church than don't actually struggle with depression. It's this, this aimless feeling. It's, it, it's like there's like this fog over you, and, and everything feels hopeless, and it feels as if good will never come, and it's like nothing satisfies you, and we kind of become a little bit lazy and lethargic. We just feel this, this haze over us, and, and life doesn't seem as happy as it used to be, and, and we can't really pinpoint why it feels that way. That's why sometimes Bible verses aren't the best cure, because we just don't feel it. We, we, we read it, and we hear it, and we understand the words, and we understand the logic, but that logic is getting into my heart. And we feel this way. And so I began to, to feel that last year. And I think a lot of people struggle with this because they, uh, they, all of a sudden, it's like the expectations are so high, and yet the same issues they had in August, they have 
in December. You come to this wonderful, happy time, and, and Christmas is supposed to be amazing, and everybody is supposed to be so happy and so cheerful. It's like, I'm supposed to be happy, but my husband left me, and there's no father around for my children. Merry Christmas. We're supposed to be happy, but my family member died and is supposed to be here, but they're not. Christmas is here, but cancer is still here too. Christmas is here, but I still can't pay the rent. Christmas is here, but I'm still struggling with lust. Christmas is here, but my kids are still going astray. Christmas is here, but my parents are still getting a divorce. Christmas is here, but my job is still way too demanding and sucking the life out of me. See, what Christmas will do for you is it has the tendency to reveal everything that's wrong with your life. All the brokenness, all the hurt. It gets all your family members together and all their issues, right? You you watch Christmas movies, you watch the Hallmark Channel, and you see these warm, fuzzy, happy endings, and then your family Christmas is nothing like that. And you can look at these things and you can despair. Or there is another option during this Christmas season. Because what the birth of Jesus Christ says, what it says to humanity, a message from God is that, guess what? You are healed. You can look at Christmas and the brokenness that you're going to feel and the sadness that will come from time to time. And you have two options. You can despair at that sadness or you can look at that sadness in the eye and say, this is the reason why Jesus Christ came. You can despair or you can hope. This Christmas, when you begin to feel the brokenness and feel the pain and feel the struggles that people deal with, the the lack of money or the relational tension, know one thing, God is fixing it. And all of a sudden, when you begin to look at these issues through the lens of, of baby Jesus coming to the world, you begin to say, God is fixing these issues. I sense these issues. I sense that something is off. I sense some of the things that I struggle with. But God is fixing it. All of a sudden, your sadness, you begin to rejoice because you see the brokenness and you know that it will not always be that way. For the Bible says that he will wipe away every tear from the eye, that death shall be no more, that that day is coming. And joy floods back into the world when all of a sudden our mourning and our sadness and our despair find so much hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of great joy because Christ has come. You can despair or you can hope. You can look at the relational tension or the family member that you miss or the struggling marriage or the wayward child or the lack of money. You can look those things in the eye and say, it's okay because Christ has come. God is fixing it. One of the famous images of of Christmas is, is the Grinch. I don't know why my wife loves the Grinch. She's a very happy person, but she has this affection for the Grinch. I don't know why. Maybe it's nostalgic from her childhood. And in the same way, I've always kind of liked the story of the Grinch, and I don't really know why. 
Uh, you know, you know the story. He's, he lives in Whoville, and it's this Christmas town, and everyone's so happy, except the Grinch is this guy who wants to steal Christmas. And, and the reason why he wants to steal Christmas from everybody is because he's been hurt so many times in his life. He's been hurt, he's been let down, went after a girl, and it didn't work, and he got the, the mayor kind of did some shady stuff to him. He's just had a lot of bad experiences in his life. And eventually something pushes him over the edge. So he's like, that's it. I'm not only going to resent Christmas, I'm going to ruin it for everybody. And so he attempts to ruin Christmas for everybody. And yet through the love of a little girl named uh, Susie Lou Who. Susie Lou, I'm saying that right. Susie Lou Who, right? It's been, it's been a... Yeah, Cindy Lou Who, yeah, that's right. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's been a while. She takes an interest in the Grinch begins finding out what happened in his life. And the whole story is that through her love for him and her affection for him and her intrigue in him, his heart of stone and coal is brought to new life. The love of this little girl heals the Grinch. And in the same way, in reality, it is the love of God through this little baby Jesus that begins to take our broken, our hurt hearts and transforms them into new life. We don't have to carry that hurt or that anger anymore because Christ has come. We are loved and God is fixing this broken, messed up world. We don't have to fear ISIS. We don't have to fear all the things that used to cling to us. We no longer have to be addicted to to lust because Christ has come and God is fixing it. Christmas is the beginning of this miraculous work of God and it's it's accompanied, you'll notice, by a lot of miraculous works and acts like angels to really signify the, the magnitude of what is going on in this moment. Our dead hearts are coming to life. Wonder is re-entering into the world. The greenery is coming out because joy is now flooding back into the world through the birth of Jesus Christ, and he is born unto us. And so in close, I just want to say that the birth of Christ didn't just bring a resurgence of joy, but brought a resurgence of the utmost joy. And I think this is important because I'll I'll tell you what's going to happen to you this Christmas. Not only are we going to be tempted to despair, not only are we going to be tempted to to be sad, we're also going to be tempted to settle for lesser joys this Christmas. A lot of theologians write about that to all humans, whether they're believers in Christ or not, that there is a certain level of... um, common happiness that's given to all people. You don't have to be a Christian to, to somewhat enjoy the mountains or the sea or, or, to, or to enjoy a relationship. But there is a certain level of happiness that all people can feel to some degree. And yet the amazing thing about Jesus and the amazing thing about God and the reason why he will never let those earthly things ever fully satisfy you. You wonder, like, why doesn't my job satisfy me? Why doesn't my relationship with my spouse satisfy me? Why don't my kids satisfy me? Why, why don't my hobbies, why doesn't all my money satisfy me? We always wonder that. And especially in this season, we're going to wonder, why doesn't this season satisfy me? And the reason is because God will never allow his kids to settle for anything less than the utmost joy. God's prevention of your fulfillment in lesser things like material possessions 
and jobs and things of the like is not an attempt for God to steal happiness from your life, but because he wants you to come to the ultimate source of happiness, and that is Jesus Christ himself. If something is missing in your life, I guarantee you it's Jesus Christ. If there's a love that's missing in your life, it's not that significant other you're pursuing, it's Jesus Christ. In Psalm 16, King David, it's my favorite psalm, he says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. And then in verse 4, he says, The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. And then in verse 11, he sums it up by saying, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's a famous C.S. Lewis quote that I'm sure you've heard before. He talks about how um, the problem is not that we are, the problem isn't that we're dissatisfied in the world, but we're far too easily satisfied. We're far too easily pleased. We, we live our lives for things like jobs and, and, and romantic relationships and money and all these different things. And we think those things are satisfying. And what he says is the problem is that we've just settled on lesser joys and lesser pleasures. And what Advent seeks to do is it seeks to offer you the greatest pleasure, which is Jesus Christ himself. What Advent seeks to do is offer you the utmost joy and the utmost happiness. Because you are a child of God. He's your loving Father. And He will have nothing less than the best of joy for you. This Christmas season, don't settle for lesser things. Go after the fullness of joy and the pleasures forevermore that are at the right hand of God. This season, church, hope in Jesus. Run after the ultimate joy the reason for the season, which is Jesus Christ himself. And let's pursue this together. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to, to gather in this place. And God, we know that Christmas is about to bring us all sorts of experiences and emotions and feelings. We are more than aware that the bar has been set so high for how we should feel. We're aware that everyone around us tells us that we should have all of this joy, and yet many of us begin to wonder and ask, where is the joy? And we confess during this time that you are the joy. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the love that came to us through the birth of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this resurgence of joy that is coming through the world. We pray that we would taste that and savor that this Christmas season as we turn our eyes upon Jesus. Oh God, I pray for these people and for myself that we would not settle for the lesser joys of material possessions or Christmas parties or work deadlines, but that we would find so much happiness in seeing this baby and how it means that we are loved and that we are healed and therefore there is a resurgence of joy in our souls. 
Would you replace our mourning and our despair with hope, with happiness and joy? And would we worship you in response because we are so overwhelmed by our love for you and not because we feel like we have to? God, would you make our love for you genuine? Would you make it pure? I pray if there's anybody in this room, God, who doesn't know Jesus Christ personally, who's never tasted the wonder of the good news that Christ has come for them to die on a cross, to to wash away all their sins, to raise them up to new life in Christ, to be with God forever, for all eternity in perfect joy. I pray that during this Advent season, they would come to know you and take that step in faith. We thank you for the joy of Christmas. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. At this time, would you stand with me? Uh, Normally what we do during this moment is we take communion. And yet for the next four Sundays, we will not take communion to get a feel for what it was like as they waited for Jesus. There was a season before communion existed where we could taste the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. There was a moment before that happened. And during this time, while we wait for when we will take communion once again on Christmas Eve during our candlelight service, while we wait, we will worship together.